Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today we are going to explore intuition and the brain. With me is Nancy Dutertre, who is a spiritual medium. She is a psychic and an intuitive, highly trained, and the author of several books, including Psychic Intuition, What You Always Wanted to Ask But Were Afraid to Know, as well as How to Talk to an Alien. She's also a corporate attorney specializing in securities litigation. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's very interesting, your approach in uh, your book, Psychic Intuition, where you focus not so much on the source of psychic functioning, uh, the various spiritual levels or quantum mechanical levels, but largely how the brain normally filters out information, how, how we're constantly bombarded by information from dozens and dozens of inputs and senses, and, and the brain acts to prevent us from being aware of it all. Yeah, absolutely. What I tried to do was to, well, when you're a lawyer, you try to, you're, you're very conscious of how to frame issues. Mm -hmm. So what I tried to do is to frame the issue as narrowly as possible, because in this field, once you get into a little bit, it gets bigger, 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 and then uh, people end up having problems with it. So you start small, and the the way that I tried to frame this issue was to examine psychic ability in terms of neuroscience, psychology, and, and linguistics. And I, what I discovered at a certain point was that we are so uh, receptive to mm -hmm. information. We live in this huge pea soup of, you know, vibrational information mm -hmm. and data that comes from everywhere. And the job of our physical body and also of our brain is to receive it and to translate it and to function. Mm -hmm. So to keep no, us from being overwhelmed. And to keep us from being overwhelmed because if we, we receive, I, on average, 11 billion bits of sensory information per second. Mm -hmm. We are consciously aware of between 16 to 40, which means what happened to all of that other information? It arrived, mm -hmm. it got to our physical body, but we're not aware of it. Right. So, so where did it go? And what I tried to suggest through the book is that you don't have to get supernatural to find psychic information. Psychic information is just data. Mm -hmm. And if you allow yourself to become more conscious and more aware of the data that has actually reached your body, suddenly it starts to look very psychic. Mm -hmm. So a large part of your focus is the fact that our normal senses, our hearing, our sight, our tactile and olfactory senses are all receiving more information than we're normally conscious of. And if we allow ourselves to just uh, absorb a little bit more of that, we're already taking in information we wouldn't otherwise be aware of. They've done studies, and I, I don't recall the exact studies now, but if you imagine, you're mm -hmm. sitting there right now, imagine focusing your attention 
on what the seat of the chair feels like, the arm part of it, maybe the feeling of your jacket on the back of your neck. Mm -hmm. Think about all of those, and now think about more stuff. Just you sitting right here. And you can't. Your brain will take it in, but it will take it in sequentially. Mm -hmm. It can't really take in the data um, simultaneously or holistically. We think we do. We create an illusion, Mm -hmm. and that becomes our reality. But we're very, our brain is very slow to pick up the various types of data Mm -hmm. around us. Well, I'm assuming um, you do psychic detective work, for example, that when when you do that, then you you don't want to be aware of your body and how your clothes feel against your shoulders or something of that. You've, You've got to free your mind from that. What I've always told my students is you try to free your mind from your mind. Mm-hmm. In other words, stop thinking, shut it down. And I know for, I do believe that's the, the reason why academics are the last folks on earth to be able to understand and appreciate psychic ability. It's because they rely on their thinking brain and they can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. It's like not being the fish, not being able to see the, the the water that they're in, but they could see everything else. Yeah. Um, so you have to shut down your thinking brain. Mm-hmm. You have to disregard it. And I'm I hate to disregard my brain. I love my brain. I love logic. I love analysis. But when you do this work, you cannot because it is primarily sensory. Mm-hmm. You also have to shut down your emotions Mm -hmm. because if, and I have this problem a lot, I can't work with, I can't do readings, for example, with people who I know and care about, or it's very difficult because I care about them. You have an investment. I have an investment Mm -hmm. and I wish only the best things for them. I So I will seek psychically to try and find things that are the best. That's not necessarily what's real. What's real is sensory. You mm-hmm. have to rely 100% as much as you can on pure sensory data that's coming into your body. So you're not thinking about extrasensory information right now. You're thinking about the things that, that seem like your normal senses. Sort of. Mm-hmm. I think a big problem that people have is they think that um, guessing, for mm-hmm. example, yeah. is that's maybe psychic. Mm-hmm. It's not. Guessing is an intellectual exercise. It's uh, putting logic out there to come to a conclusion based on what you already know. In order to venture into this you know, wild and woolly world of sensory experience, you have to be extremely accepting of nonsense data. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that it makes no sense to you probably means you're onto something. Some of the best psychic work that I've done mm-hmm. has been when I don't have a clue what it means and I couldn't have anticipated it and I don't know why it's there. And I'm terrified to tell people because it seems ridiculous. Yeah. That's generally the best information I have and I get people who will start, you know, laughing or crying hysterically. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about how human consciousness uh, receives and sort of displays psychic information. Uh, I, I understand, for example, from the phenomenon of synesthesia, 
that the mind has the ability to take any sensory input and display it in any other way that, that you program yourself so that some people, for example, will hear colors right. or see music. Right. Um, I compared psychic ability to the, some people call it a condition or some other people call it a disorder of synesthesia. Mm -hmm. And I started looking into that long before anybody really heard about what it was. Mm -hmm. It's become quite popular now. Um, but what seemed interesting to me was this ability that their brains seem to have, whether it's a hardwired issue or a different issue, of uh, being able to translate the same vibrational or electrical data into different formats. Yes. So, um, and I think that's what psychics are doing. And, and when you're able to translate the same baseline information into a visual format, an auditory, a smell, or, you know, a touch, whatever mm -hmm. it is, each time you're doing that, you're gleaning more information about the target, mm -hmm. which seems strange. But it, it's absolutely true, and you, and it's a way to push further into the experience. Mm -hmm. Well, researchers have come up with any number of ways in which uh, the brain can um, uh, confuse us, uh, forms of uh, errors that we make. Uh, many people, when they engage in an intuitive process, they fall into various traps that researchers have identified. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's one of the reasons that, uh, I, I suppose, from a conventional point of view, intuition doesn't have such a good reputation because the, of these traps people can fall into. One of them, obviously, you've talked about is emotion. Emotions can, can color our minds, so we are not seeing things clearly. And thinking. Thinking is a terrible trap. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons, you know, uh, you, a lot of times you'll hear psychics will say, well, you know, we've, we've been trained to unlearn all of our psychic ability. Yeah. There is a window of time, actually, in a human's life where, and it's usually between the ages of about three and six or seven. Yes. When a number of things happen, uh, it's been suggested that prior to that time, we all have perfect pitch, mm -hmm. that we are all psychic, mm -hmm. um, that we have certain other types of um, uh, language abilities, another one. Mm -hmm. If you don't start learning your second language in that space of time, it's going to be 10 times harder. Mm -hmm. the, now, why? I don't know. I think the reason is because it's between the ages around three to six or seven where, where we are learning language. Language is a linear, consecutive, sequential structure. Yes, it is. And it structures our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And once you have put your, the structure of your own thoughts into this kind of, uh, this train, you have lost that ability to see sideways. Mm -hmm. You just can't. So you have to uh, almost destroy what you know in order to get back to that original place. Most thinking people really cherish their intellect. Yeah. They will not give it up for anything. And language is a big part of intellect. Absolutely. Yeah. Some languages seem to be a little bit more conducive uh, 
to visualization, like, well, let's say Egyptian hieroglyphs or maybe Chinese characters are a little bit more like pictures than our alphabet? Sure, you can get into ideograms, pictograms, uh, you know, the petroglyphs, or you can get into any type mm-hmm. of different expression. Some of them, uh, well, I mean, the example that I've given in the past is uh, it's the uh, Chinese character for uh, tea, like what you drink. Uh-huh. Um, I believe, and I'm not a, an expert in Chinese, but I think that it, the, the character itself breaks down into three separate characters mm-hmm. of, uh, I think it's plant, tree and man. Mm. Each one of those breaks down into other separate. So you have this conglomeration of meaning. Stories within stories within stories. Like right. actually the Hebrew uh, mysticism of, of Kabbalah is is like that. But, but ultimately it seems as if when for Kabbalists, for example, it helps, it breaks down the rational mind when you begin thinking stories within stories within stories and you open up into intuition that way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the sound of one hand clapping if you want to go the other direction. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It breaks down rationality. Rationality kills psychic ability. You cannot do the, the two at the same time. Now, what I do, because I, I need to satisfy my intellect somehow, so yeah. I allow myself to go into a psychic frame of experience. Uh, do you mean an altered state of consciousness? I go into usually a light trance. I'm mm-hmm. very much aware, but it's just light. I have a hard time remembering what I've said once I'm out, mm-hmm. but I have a terrible memory anyway. So... Anyway, but uh, I, I go into that state. I allow myself to experience without judgment because intellect is based on judgment and prefabulated uh, concepts that preexist mm-hmm. in our brain yeah. that we've just added on top of added. Get rid of everything. Mm-hmm. Pull in whatever comes in. Second step is figuring out how to remember it. We have a terrible memory for nonsense, mm. most people. I remember almost all of my dreams every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty good at it. Most people can't do that because it's nonsense. Uh, and you just described yourself as a person with without good normal memory, but for dreams it works well. I have good memory for strange things, yes. But, but dreams are a symbolic language, so it, it's suggesting to me that that language is very important and uh, psychic work for you? I don't call it a language. Mm-hmm. I'm also a lucid dreamer, which means I have experience with dreams which have absolutely real repercussions in the real world. Yes. So, for me, yeah, some of it's symbolic, some of it's literal. Now, let's go back to lucid dreaming. Okay. Lucid dreaming is, a for our viewers who may not know, it means uh, you're in a dream. You're in a dream world, but you're conscious. You're aware of the fact that this is a dream. Yes. Mm -hmm. I had a dream when I think I was about seven years old, and it was a stupid dream. I was living in Chicago at the time. I was playing with my little neighbor in the neighboring townhouse and his mother was there and she was going on about something boring and I thought, wow, this is an incredibly boring dream. I don't want to be here. So I realized if I did a backward somersault that I could exit the dream. Mm-hmm. Oh, did backward somersault and I was out. So nice. yeah. lucid dreaming is absolutely being able to control. Actually, it's a little bit more. It's also knowing what is going to happen mm-hmm. in the dream. Mm-hmm. 
as well as being able to control it. So how does that uh, play into your psychic work? Uh, it plays, well, you asked me, is it, it was like using a symbolic language. Yes. I don't use dreams for their symbolic language. I use them for much more than that. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm sensing things, I'm trying not to uh, throw them into any category yeah. at all, mm -hmm. which is really hard. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they talk about um, maybe in, in uh, today's UFOs or spaceships or yesterday's, you know, uh, dragon in the sky because people weren't expecting to see a spacecraft, they, but a dragon, mm -hmm. maybe they could. So Culturally the determined. expectation determines what you're going to see. Yeah. And people really seem to have a need to uh, put labels on their experiences. Yes, because if you don't, odds are you're going to forget them. Mm -hmm. And so you've diminished your sensory experience if you can't remember it. So what I try to do once I go into my psychic space, collect the data mm -hmm. on, a, on an experiential sensory level, mm -hmm. and then I say, okay, that's that now. And then I, I allow my brain, my intellect to kick in, and I say, well, what does that mean? Can I make a judgment about this? Mm -hmm. And I start to think about it, or I start to feel things about it. You know, how did that make me, did that experience, did I feel, you know, really, was I crying? Was I happy? What was that about? Because that's not me. So, and you, so you follow it through. Okay. And now, lucid dreaming, though. What they, I'm, I'm still interested. If you're in a dream state, a lucid dream state, are you also doing psychic work at that time? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I know many people who feel that they've been in a school at night. Yes. I said this. I'd never heard of this, never read it before at a certain mm -hmm. point. I said this a few years ago to a friend of mine, and she said, well, yeah, of course you are. So am I. And she said, the, the information that is being delivered is just overwhelming. I said, it's true. I'm exhausted when I wake up, and I know I work all night long. I'm working, 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 and a lot of it, I'm being taught psychic skills, paranormal mm -hmm. skills, strange things, which, yes, they're interesting, uh -huh. but when I'm sleeping, I think I'd like to rest. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't get any rest. <laughs> Apparently not. Now... I think it's important that our viewers understand you weren't born a psychic. You trained yourself. Right. Or I should say you engaged in training contexts. Right. I grew up in a very academic family. Mm -hmm. um, psychics, they were never discussed. They didn't exist. Um, you know, everybody was, we were doctors and lawyers and professional people. And... Um, my father is a medical scientist, and so I had no psychic experiences, except for maybe one or two. Mm -hmm. But what do you do with them? They're crazy. So you put them in the crazy folder mm -hmm. in your head, mm -hmm. and you say, I, I can't make heads or tails of that, mm -hmm. so it's not worth anything to me. It's nonsense. Put it away. Forget about it. It wasn't until I got to be middle-aged, mm -hmm. I had even more intense uh, experiences, mm -hmm. I still didn't get the message. And then at one point I thought, all right, I'm going to write a book about the psychology of intuition. Mm. And I discovered that the psychiatrists, psychologists were not interested in intuition. 
It's too much of a loose cannon. They can't control it. They'll become not in control of their own uh, client, uh, uh, you know, dyad. It, it'll, it's not worth for them to explore mm-hmm. other than calling it countertransference or transference or resonant empathy or any number of other things, which it isn't. Mm-hmm. I studied neuroscience for a while. I thought, well, maybe these guys, they're looking at structure. Maybe they've discovered the structure of intuition. Mm-hmm. No, they really dislike intuition. And I think hopefully that's changing a little bit. There's these days a little bit more willingness to explore the mm-hmm. subjective architecture of the brain. But at some point, you made a decision to find a, a very talented, I think, if I recall, a psychic detective who lived in your community, who who was uh, known to be highly accurate, and you, in, in effect, apprenticed yourself. I did, for mm-hmm. almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally love her. Her name is Nancy Orlin Weber. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually has a an honorary state police badge in the state of New Jersey for the work she's done. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's a registered nurse. Very down to earth. That's why I liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did work with her. I actually thought I was observing the class until they started to tell me, no, you have to do it also. And then I discovered I had some abilities. And you're already uh, a middle-aged adult before uh, you even began this work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. in in your case, it was, you know, 10 years of mental discipline to cultivate this ability. Well, no, it's been more than that. Okay. And by the way, I mean, that wasn't the only training I did because I also trained to be a spiritual medium. Mm-hmm. I trained to be a medical intuitive. Uh, I trained in the um, advanced military-style CRV, control remote viewing. Yes. I've trained in a number of different areas, but it's all training. I'm just a trained person. Mm-hmm. I'm not a natural, mm-hmm. which is why I tell anybody, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. So everybody ought to try. So what... Uh, I know you don't go into great detail about the theories of how information from a distant location or a future time can enter into our brain. Um, You're basically saying it gets there, and now let's see how the brain processes it. Uh, Obviously, you found some commonalities in all of these training approaches. Yeah. You know, again... I guess because I'm so compartmentalized, I thought, mm-hmm. well, this is different from this and this. And, this. and for some reason, they are all connected, mm-hmm. strangely. Um, and I don't claim to know how or why. Okay. Let me go back and ask you the question a different way. At some point, you made a decision as a person who had no particular history or interest in the paranormal to engage in all of this training. What motivated you? Um, I don't know. I think, I have to say, I, I think I'm more curious about everything mm-hmm. than anyone I know. Mm-hmm. I, my goal in my life is to understand everything. And and you really are uh, quite a uh, renaissance person. If uh, I haven't mentioned all of your <laughs> other books on, uh, for example, porcelains and uh, the many things you've done with your life. Um, but back to the field of psychic intuition. What you're saying 
is that uh, this information is coming into our brains, our consciousness, that everybody has these inputs. And the key is to quiet the mind, separate oneself from one's intellect and one's emotions, and uh, somehow hone in on the pure signal. You know, I think that we people always talk about the fact we have five senses. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually don't. I believe it's now uh, scientifically accepted that we have somewhere between nine and twenty-one senses. Mm -hmm. um, I've been able to to categorize at least forty. Mm -hmm. I believe there are hundreds and hundreds of senses that mm -hmm. we have. Each one corresponds or correlates with some ability. Mm -hmm. A sensing ability. So, and I, I was looking at neuroscience uh, literature, for example, and um, you take the example, there, there are different neurological disorders. Yes. Like amusia or achoria or um, I think it's called ta topagnosia. Mm -hmm. Different things where you, you have an inability to hear music or pitch properly. You have an inability to feel satiated after you've, you're done eating. You have an inability to locate um, spatially uh, your different parts of your body mm -hmm. or your environment, things like that. Each one of those, I believe, represents a sense. Uh -huh. So if you start tuning into the sensing that you're receiving from every single different one of those angles, mm -hmm. you have increased your database of information about your environment. Even things that may seem like disabilities are actually yeah, pointers towards a psychic sensitivity. Yes. I mean, I think there are clues to mm -hmm. us that we have senses that we're not even aware of. We just take it for granted. It's like a nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's that same feeling of, do you actually, when you're sitting, you're actually feeling the the seat beneath your legs? No. Chances are you, you haven't thought about that since we have been sitting here. No, I yeah, take it, the, the point you made is very well taken, that, <laughs> that we uh, block out, that I'm constantly, because I'm focusing in on you now, but yeah. uh, I'm always focusing in on something and blocking right. virtually everything else out. Well, Nancy Duterte. Thank you so much for being with me and sharing this part of yourself with me and with our viewers. Thank you, Jeffrey. I really appreciate the opportunity. And thank you for being with us.